All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's good to have all of our Faith Church family here in Florence. Can we show some love and welcome everybody at our Lawrenceburg campus, everybody at our Shoals campus? Come on. It's good to have you guys with us. Everybody else watching online, thanks for joining us. Whoever you are, wherever you're watching, we just want to say welcome. Come on, we say this every week. We believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are and whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, your habit, we believe if you will open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on, all of our campuses. Come on, one more time. Can we just honor God for his goodness and his mercy? Well, listen, we had an incredible night uh, this past Friday night, Marriage Matters. How many couples were there? Come on, let's make some noise. What an incredible night working on our marriages. Thanks so much for showing up for that. If you weren't there, you missed it. Man, be looking for opportunities in the future at Faith Church to connect and grow your faith. And we're sure lots of things come down the pipeline. But man, Friday night was absolutely incredible, man. We're just believing God to do great things in marriages here in the house. Well, listen, you know, when you think about life, there are a lot of stressors in life. Think about how many things kind of push you over the edge. Think about how many things cause you stress and anxiety in life. There's lots of them. The list goes on and on. It's relationships. It's our career path. It's our parenting. It's our health. Lots of things that trigger us and cause stress in our life. But according to lots of studies, there's one that stands far and above all the rest, that one of the primary stressors that all of us face is the stress of finances. Financial stress, they say, is the most enduring and the most pervasive in our lives. In fact, one study just done in 2022 tells us that 90% of us, 90% of Americans, 90% of average people feel stress, feel financial stress in their life. While 90% of us feel it, 65% of us, far more than half of us say the primary cause of stress in our life has to do with finances, our fear, our worry, we're ill-prepared, we're over uh, in debt. A lot of us in this room, if we're honest, that is probably the tension in our life. We sense with student debt, we sense, especially right here in the culture we're living right now, coming out of a pandemic uh, in the highest inflation in 40 years in the midst of recession or not, I don't know who, based on who you ask, but all of us sense this tension. All of us sense the anxiety that comes with finances. And it's not just in this season that we're in. This is something that's ongoing, is the financial stress that all of us feel. And so the question is, how do we, how do we fight for our finances? Does God just want you to live the rest of your life? If you're 20, for the next 50, 60 years, if you're 50, for the next you know, 10 or 20 years, does God just want you to just live with anxiety? Does God just want you to wrestle through every time a bill comes, every time you need to fill up your gas tank? Does God just want us to live with constant worry, anxiety, and fear? And the answer is no. In fact, I'll give you just one quick response. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. You need to hang on to this. If you're wrestling with fear, if you're overwhelmed with financial anxiety, Jesus said, do not worry. Matthew 6, 24 and 25, he gives us this really, really clear promise. He says, I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to drink, about what you're going to wear. He says, I don't want you to worry about the basic necessities of life. He says, your heavenly father knows what you have need of even before you pray, even before you ask him, God, will you help me pay this bill? God, will you make a way? God, will you open a door for this job? God, will you provide for this need? He says, Jesus says, your heavenly father already knows what you need even before you pray. And he takes care of the birds of the air. How much more will he take care of you because you are far more valuable to him than they are? 
He dresses the lilies of the field. And how much more precious are you than he is? And so on one hand, as we wrestle through and we feel the weight of financial stress, Jesus gives a resounding, hey man, stop carrying the burden and the weight of worry and acknowledge that you have a heavenly father who can meet every single need you have. And some of us, we've experienced God do it consistently in our life. I wish somebody would give God thanks for his provision if you know it's been real. Come on. But here's the challenge is I don't think when Jesus tells us, do not worry, I don't think what he's saying is, hey, live however you want financially because your heavenly father is your sugar daddy in the sky and is going to bail you out of your bad financial decisions. Oh, it just got real today. <laughs> right? A lot of us, and you know, we've all had help from our parents along the way, and this is, this is no shame. There's lots of reasons, lots of conversations to have. You know, but, you know, uh, the millennial generation, Gen Z, right now are living more off of their parents than ever before. Parents are carrying their kids longer, paying more bills. That's statistically true. So if you're in that generation, don't be offended. If it's not you, it's your peers. But all of us have done it. We've all stayed on uh, mom and dad's bill too long. But at the end of the day, a lot of us are spinning the way we want, and we expect our parents to bail us out. We do the same thing spiritually as we just want to live how we want financially, and we want our Heavenly Father. We just want to pray a prayer, Lord, I, just, I, I didn't really care about a budget. I didn't pay attention to my money. I just did what I wanted to do, and Lord, I got a bill due. Will you help me? Now, I'm just going to tell you, if you pray any sincere prayer, I believe our Heavenly Father hears us, and He cares for us, but while God doesn't want you to worry unnecessarily... I believe that God wants you to do your part and you can trust him to do his part. That if you'll manage what he's given you, if you'll manage what he's given you, I believe that God will intervene where it's beyond you and God will meet your needs and God will provide. How many people already know that's true? Come on. So we're having this conversation. So what does it look like to fight for your finances? What does it look like to fight? And I'm just going to tell you again that part of us, what we're going to talk about today in the midst of this series, uh, Fight Club, is that you have responsibility in the fight for your finances. And it's not just up to God to make a way. It's not just up to God to answer your prayers. It's not just up to God to raise your paycheck. It's not just up to God to send you a check in the mail. That God has a plan for all of us to follow to help us to fight for our finances. Now, when we talk about fight, we've been having this conversation for several weeks called Fight Club, again, where God gives us five things in the very beginning, just five. And while we spend so much time and so much energy fighting for things that really don't matter, there's five that God gave us in the beginning when he created everything good. And I believe there are five that he still wants for you today. And I believe these are the five things that if you'll fight for them, we will experience life on the level that Jesus created us to live. And these five things that we've been talking about is God gave us principles, he gave us people, he gave us provision, he gave us purpose, and he gives us a place. Week one, we talked about this idea of fighting for our faith, that if you're struggling with your faith, if you're losing faith, if you're going through a season of chaos and, and disconnecting or deconstructing from your faith, that you should fight for your faith because it's worth it. Last week, we talked about fighting for your family, that God brings people into our life. And one of the most important things you can fight for are the significant people in your journey, the people that God's brought alongside of you to help you be successful. God told Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. Everybody needs somebody. And today, I want to talk about, again, fighting for your finances, that God's given all of us provision. In fact, check this out. In the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9, it says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. 
Come on, everybody read verse nine with me. Every voice at every campus. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. So Adam in the garden, like... (laughs) He didn't, go up to, he didn't go up to his heavenly father and ask for his allowance and get cash. In the garden, the provision of the day was the fruit of the trees. Now, some people still operate that way. We operate, God provides a different way. But at the end of the day, he provided, he provided in Eden everything that Adam needed. And God is still our provider today. Scripture makes that abundantly clear, that you're not your provider. Culture's not our provider. The economy is not our provider. Your boss is not your provider. Your small business is not your provider. Uh, the, 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 uh, the market is not your provider. Our Heavenly Father, He is our provider. And that's who we put our hope and our trust in. And so when He sets Adam and Eve up in the garden and He gives them provision, He expects us to fight for what he's given us. And the challenge I think for all of us is, how do we fight for it? Now, here's what I want you to hear today, and here's where we're gonna go, is the way we fight for our finances is managing money God's way. The way you fight for your finances is managing money God's way. And there's one thing that all of us face, and depending on the crowd I'm preaching to, if, if I'm here in Alabama or I'm somewhere else or I'm in another country, would probably change based on what I'm going to say. But based in where we live and the culture and the time we live in America, here's one of the things that's keeping all of us from really managing our money God's way. We are all tempted with the temporary and deceived by dissatisfaction. Let me say that again. All of us in this room, regardless of how much money you make, regardless of how much you have or don't have, we are all tempted with the temporary and deceived by dissatisfaction. Come on. When I say tempted by the temporary, all of us in this room, we know what it feels like to just want to live in the moment, just to buy what we want now, to live and just kind of accumulate stuff now. And the reason some of us have stressors when it comes to finances, we're okay today. We're worried about tomorrow. We're not just worried about tomorrow. Some of us, come on, we're eking up on retirement or we're starting to peek into our 401k. And we have a lot of fear concerning our finances because we have not prepared properly for tomorrow. We have no emergency savings. So we might be barely keeping our head above water. But while we're trying to keep our head above water, we're covered today. Our bills are paid today, but we don't have anything stocked up for an emergency that's sure to come our way because emergencies happen. We're not prepared for retirement, so we're tempted by the temporary. We keep investing what we have, all we have, into right now. Not just tempted by the temporary, but all of us are deceived with dissatisfaction. Deceived by dissatisfaction means like we just keep buying stuff and it never scratches the itch. Come on, let's be honest. Have you ever just felt like, man, if I could just have that, I just really would like that. It's shiny and new and big and it's the best. If I could just get that. Now, those words never come out of our mouth, but subconsciously, man, I just, man, I've had this, I've had this car for five years and it's got almost 100,000 miles on it. And if I could just have that new F-250, uh. and we get the F-250, we're like, I mean, it's nice, but you know what I really need is I need to jack this baby up, get this thing off the ground a little bit, lift it up. And when I'm going to lift it up, I need to put new wheels on it and new tires. And I mean, it's nice, but you know what really make this thing look nice? is I need to get a trailer with a jet ski behind it. <laughs> and we just want more and more, and like nothing scratches the itch. We have a house, but we need a new house. We need a bigger house. And we got a bigger house, but this isn't really nice. You know what we need to do is we need to get a house on the river. And once you got a house on the river, what's the point of being on the river if you ain't got a dock? And if you get a dock, you know what you need is a boat. And what point is a boat? Because sometimes 
you don't want to take just a person out of the boat. You need a couple of jet skis. I'm just telling you, you got a jet ski, it points to poor money management. That's a fact. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It all goes back to jet skis. But you know how it is. We just, we keep getting more and more. We keep, let me just ask, just show of hands, everybody has to participate. Are you ready? At all of our campuses, if you have more than 10 pairs of shoes in your closet, raise your hand. Sweet Lord. Wait, we ain't done yet. And now we started this journey. We shall finish it together. At all of our camps, how many people have 20 pairs of shoes? Wait, we ain't, we ain't done. You would say you have 30, 30 pairs of shoes in your closet, right? Now, some of you, you got 30. You're just ducking out because you know it don't look good. And some of you, your husband don't know you got 30, so you ain't raising your hand. Come on, I, I love shoes as much as the next person. I, I love Yeezys and Jordans and dress shoes. and Like, I like them all. And I can go to the store and think, I need that color brown. Because it's, it's a little darker than my other ones, but not quite as light as the other one. And like, we just feel like, I just need that. And the problem is, again, is we are tempted with the temporary. We keep over-investing in right now. And we are deceived by dissatisfaction. And we keep thinking, I just need that. And not only do I need that, my kids didn't have it. And if I can just get that for my kids, my kids just, they need this. And they need the newer car. And, they need, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with spending money on yourself. But it's one of the things, by over-investing in now and keep on spending the money we don't have, that is keeping us from managing our money God's way and fighting for our finances that's causing us the stress that many of us are carrying. So here's the question. Are you ready? Who is the master of your money? Who's the master of your money? Who gets to decide where your money goes? Now, I know the answer sitting here for all of us. Our answer is going to be, it's my money. I'll spend it my way. And what you're going to see today is that is absolutely not what Jesus says. And if you're not a person of faith, that's okay. I'm glad you're here. But if you call yourself a Christian, it's not your money to be spent your way. It's God's money to be spent his way. And if that offends you, we'll get there and you can wrestle between you and Jesus. But who's the master of your money? Jesus answers the question this way. Watch this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Every voice, read it with me. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and you can't do it. You can't. Who is the master of your money? Who's the Lord of your lucre? Who's the, who's the king of your cash? And Jesus answers the question. You have to pick who it is. And you can't have more than one. Now, this is true in life in every area. You can't serve both God and money. You can't serve God in your job. You can't serve God and your, and, and, and your spouse. You can't serve God and culture. Why? You can only have one master because eventually one master is going to require something from you that is offensive to the other. And you have to decide who you're going to submit to. You have to decide who you're going to honor. And so he's saying like, you just have to pick. And if you're allowing your money to dictate where it goes rather than your master to dictate where it goes, who is Jesus, he says, you're going to find yourself in all kinds of financial trouble. And at the end of the day, this is really important to hear. God doesn't care about your money to get your money. But I think this is true for all of us. If you could reach into the heart of your child and pull out the stuff that keeps him up at night, pull out the fear, pull out the anxiety, and pull out the worry 
that troubles their hearts. You would do it as a parent. And at the end of the day, what God wants for us is to experience peace and joy to the full. And wrestling financially and living outside of our means invites a level of stress that God wants us to learn to overcome. And the way we do that is by fighting for our finances. Come on, how many people's down for this? So, so watch this. So Jesus tells a parable in Matthew chapter 25. This is known as the parable of the talents. Very familiar parable. I want us to read, start reading through this together. Matthew 25, verse 14. He says this. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. Now, this is a picture. This, again, a, a parable is a, is a story that highlights these spiritual principles. So Jesus says, imagine there's this guy and he has all this wealth and he has a group of people working for him and he goes on a long trip and before he leaves, he entrusts his wealth to his people. And he says this, watch. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and, come on, read these next three words with me. Entrusted, what's the middle word? his money, entrusted his money to them while he went or while he was gone. What Jesus is trying to give us right out of the gate is this, is this idea that we find throughout scripture is that we manage, it's his money. We're called to manage his money and we manage his money as his, his way. It's this idea, and some of you have been in church long enough, called stewardship, that at the end of the day, nothing we have belongs to us. It's all his and so whatever you have in, stuffed under your mattress or hidden in a jar or in a bank account or in a stock market, whatever house you're living in, whatever car you're driving, whatever clothes are on your back, really what God is telling us is that's not really yours. I know your mama scratched your name in the, in the back of your underwear, but they're not yours. You might as well take those off tonight, scratch out and put Jesus. Those are Jesus' underwear. It's all his. Watch this. Listen to what scripture says in the book of Psalms. Watch this says the earth, every voice read this, the earth, whose is it? And what? Everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Now, if you don't think this is true, let me show you a fact that you can't dispute. We all know this is true. We've been there. We've seen it. Listen to the way Paul described our lives and what we, what we have and what we don't have. He says it this way. He says, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. Like when you, when you popped out of your mom, like when you came out, like nobody, nobody had a little tuxedo on, a little top hat, a little monocle. Could you imagine little babies coming out like that? You came out buck naked. You didn't have a, you didn't have a, you didn't have a coin in a pocket because you didn't have a pocket. You had absolutely nothing. You came into this world naked and newsflash, you can be a multi-quazillionaire. And when you leave this planet, watch what he says, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. I'm just saying, we have biblical births. We should have biblical funerals. From now on, when you die, it's just naked. Those would be closed caskets for sure. <laughs> closed caskets for sure. That's what he says. You came in with... Now, how many people know that's true? You came in with nothing, you're leaving with nothing, which means anything you got when you got here was gifted to you by your heavenly father. And while you're here on this planet, what he's gifted you when you got here, he's going to hold you responsible with what you did while you were here. He's called all of us. This isn't an option. This is a hope as your pastor that I have for you, but this is an expectation your savior puts on you that we fight for our finances to get out of fear and anxiety and into a way where we honor our only master and his name is Jesus. So watch this. He says, and he gave five bags. So back to the parable. 
He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities when he left on his trip. Now, there is so much to say in this. Let me just throw a couple things out. So again, here's the picture. Jesus says this, this, this wealthy guy takes his money and he disperses it between three of his servants. And he gives one five, one two, one one. He says, I want you to manage this for me while I'm gone. Now, when you see that, what I want you to first of all see is that we all don't get, and this is just a point right here, we may not have the same level of money, but we're all called to the same level of management. So if you're looking around thinking, I want to have as much money as they have. Now, I'm just going to tell you this because I believe that God is the one who blesses us. God knows how much you can handle. I'm not saying you shouldn't pursue more. I'm not saying you shouldn't want more. There's nothing wrong with wanting success and excellence. I believe that's our God. But I want you to hear this. Part of the wealth you have, you have because it's all that you can handle right now. If God allowed more money to come your way, it would cause some of you to leave God because if you had money, you would start going a direction that would lead you away from the one who gave you the money. And so God says, I've given some five. Some of us wish we were the five people. I want all the five people to stand to your feet. Just kidding. And then we got some two people. Then we got some one people. Now, here's what I want you to think about for a second is he's saying, I've, I've given these, this different amount, but we're all required to have the same amount of money management, which means if you're in this room or you're one of our campuses and you're like, Pastor Steve, I don't have enough money to manage. Like I barely get by, I'm only working one job and I'm recently divorced and I've got three kids and I'm, I'm buried in bills and like I don't have money to manage. If you have money coming into your house, you need to manage it no matter how little it is. And if you're on the opposite end and you're like, Pastor Steve, I got so much money, I can't even count it. Like some of you are Scrooge McDuck swimming in dollars. Like it's so much, I can't even count it. It's hard. All I know is there's enough. Every time I swipe the card, it's like there's enough. Doesn't matter how much you have. You could be a five bagger and God still requires you to manage the money well that he's put in your care. So I want you to imagine for a second, I just did a quick Google search. The average American in the average lifetime spends or earns $3 million. Some of you are like, I'm on the wrong path, apparently. $3 million. Do the math, it's really not that much. $3 million. Now imagine, really, imagine you're 18 years old, you just graduate high school, and uh, you know, you're, you're in your senior year high school, and over the loudspeaker, uh, Steve Husky, please report to the office. Steve Husky, please report to the office. And you go to the office, and like, hey, go back to the council. And I go in, and Jesus is sitting there. And Jesus says, uh, Steve, listen, you're getting ready to graduate in two weeks. I'm giving you all the money you'll ever earn just up front. You're not going to get it week to week, or bi-weekly, or bi I'm just going to give it to you right now up front. And he strokes a check for three big ones, three stacks, $3 million. And he tells me, because I just want you to know this is, this is a story, but this is true. He says, this is your money to spend on my behalf. Now, in this $3 million, you got to feed yourself with this $3 million. Nothing wrong. you got to clothe yourself with this $3 million. So nothing wrong with buying yourself clothes. Nothing wrong, with, nothing wrong with feeding yourself. But don't forget, in buying clothes, living in a house, drive, don't forget, this isn't your money. This is my money. So spend it where you need it, not how you think you should spend it. Think about me when you spend my money. And it's all yours. And this should last you to the end of your life. 
And in the middle of buying you what you need, don't forget to invest in the stuff that I I care about. Don't forget to spend it in the place where it's important to me because it's not yours, it's mine. And so in this idea, this is what God is telling all of us is all the money you have, I've given you. And he's called us to manage our money well. And there's five things that you can do with your money. Everybody shout five. There's five things you can do with your money. Number one thing everybody does with their money is pay taxes with it. Let's give it up for Uncle Sam. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. Someone's like, we're clapping for taxes. <laughs> now, I'm just telling you, if you're trying to get out of paying taxes, not legally, not with a loophole, that's what good accountants are for. But if you're just trying to avoid taxes, God's called us to pay taxes. Hear what scripture says. Watch this. Listen to what Jesus says. Mark chapter 12, verse 17. Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So if you pay your taxes, you should be a giver too. We'll get to that. Second thing you can do with money, all of us have money. One of the ways we, manage, one of the ways we fight for our finances is managing our money well. Second thing we can do with our money is retire debt with it. Now, so we're all in the same boat. If you have debt, if you owe somebody a dollar or $10 million, raise your hand. If you have debt, you should be retiring debt. It's part of what we're called to. In fact, God's word makes it really clear that his preference and his his desire for us is not even to be in debt. Proverbs 22, verse seven says, just as the rich rule the poor, this is so profound, so the borrower is servant to the lender. God is saying there should only be one master in your life. There should only be one Lord. And when you subject yourself financially by borrowing money from someone else, now you are subject to them. You don't get to decide where you spend your money. They get to decide where it goes. You don't get to decide how much. They get to decide how much. And so here, I just want to tell you this real quick. If you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm above, uh, you know, or I'm above in my bills and I'm overwhelmed. No matter where you're at, you're called to manage your money. And one of the things you need to do to manage your money is you need to dump debt. Everybody say dump debt. You need to be proactive in getting yourself out of debt. And one of the first things you need to do to get yourself out of debt is stop putting yourself further in debt. Get rid of credit cards. Get rid of, thank you so much. Come on, girl, come up, stand up here. Come on, come on, all the way up. Thank you, right there. You need to dump debt. You need to be proactive in getting yourself out of debt. If you're paying the minimum on four different credit cards and you owe $27,000, which is the average amount of credit cards that Americans have, you will never get out of debt. And so you gotta find ways in your budget to get more money to put on the balance and get yourself out of debt. And one of the ways you can do this is to decrease your spending. This is so big. I'm just telling you the reason some of us can't get out of debt is because we're so spending other places, again, because we're deceived by dissatisfaction and tempted by the temporary. We keep spending money on the now instead of getting out of debt. Some of us need to shift from a steak and smartphone lifestyle to a ramen noodle and flip phone lifestyle. And if you'll just go through a season of ramen noodles and flip phones and take that money you were spending on steaks and smartphones, you can get out of debt quicker. And it's what God wants for you. So one of the reasons God's giving you money is to get yourself out of the debt that's causing you stress. So the next time you get a paycheck, you shouldn't look at it and say, this is my money to spend where I want. You should look at it and say, God sent me money to do what he wants. And one of the things he wants for me is peace. And one of the things robbing peace is owing people money. So I need to make sure part of this money goes to getting me out of debt because my heavenly father only wants me serving one master and it's him. 
Go ahead, Pastor. I would really encourage you to check out Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover. One of the things he talks about is the debt small snowball, taking your smallest bill, putting as much as you can on it until it's off, and then accumulating that amount with the payment you was putting towards the largest bill and put it to the next one. And you will find yourself getting out of debt much quicker and much more intentional. The third thing you can do with money that we all do is spend it, is spend it. 1 Timothy 6, 6, 17 says this, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Man, there's so much there. Their trust should be where? Come on, faith church. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So God's not opposed to you spending part of what he's entrusted to you on yourself. God's not opposed to that very clearly. Again, if he strokes you a check for $3 million right out of the gate, he understands that part of what he's given you and part of what he's entrusted to us is to take care of our needs. He wants you to do that. But at the same time, we need to learn to live on less. Everybody shout, live on less. Live on less. What would happen every time you went to the restaurant, instead of getting the 15-ounce, you only got the 6-ounce? What happened if you got just one, one less pair of shoes a month? I, I mean, a year. <laughs> like, what would happen? What would happen if you didn't get the top-end car? What would happen if you only got the middle of the road? Again, we are so deceived with dissatisfaction. We want bigger and shinier and newer and faster, and we are spending ourselves in distress. And God says, there's one of the things I want you to do with the money that I've given you. And he says, I want you to spend it. I want you to enjoy life. But the only way you're going to money, manage your money well is if you spend less on yourself and start allocating more to another category. Number four, number four thing you can do with money is save it. Some of you didn't know you could do that with money. You can save it. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Who spends whatever they get and doesn't save any? You can say it. I didn't say it was you yet or me yet. I'm saying what it... Every, someone who takes all they have and spends it on the temporary, what does God's word say they are? Fools. Why? It's because God understands. He's not at the name calling. He's saying, listen, there is emergencies coming your way that you need to be prepared for. There is a future. Even though we don't know tomorrow, the, tomorrow's not promised to anybody, but for sure the majority of us will be here tomorrow. For sure, statistically, the majority of us will make it to retirement. And if you're not prepared for retirement when it comes, it will not stop it from coming. If you're not prepared for the emergency when it comes, it's not going to stop it from coming. The goal is to take part of the money you're managing and put some of it aside for tomorrow so that when the emergency comes, when retirement comes, you're ready for it and you don't have to continue to carry stress that your heavenly father doesn't want you to carry. So you should be a person who's saving money. And number five, the fifth thing you can do with money is you can give it. Everybody shout, give it. To pastor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so let's see if I can get you there. <laughs> Lots of scriptures, obviously, you can point to. We just talked a few weeks ago about the 90-day tithe challenge. I believe with all of my heart, God's called every single Christ follower to be a person who starts at being a tither. 
that the first 10%, the first and the best belongs to God. It's his. And that's the way we recognize by being tithers. That's how we recognize what we have isn't ours. It comes from him. And that's how we honor God with what he's given us is we give the first and the best back to God. It's not all yours to spend on what you want. It's all his to spend on what he wants. And listen to what scripture says. Here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 16. Everybody, let's read this together. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. So again, this was a common way for Christians in the New Testament to be givers. Verse two, on the first day of each week, when? First day, you know what first day is? Sunday. How often we should, do, should we do this? Each week. On the first day of each week, you should each, that means all of us, Put aside a portion of the money you have earned. So when God calls us to be givers, he calls us to be proportionate givers, which means if we're all giving 10%, it's not all the equal amount, but it's all equal sacrifice. It's not an equal amount, but it's all equal sacrifice. So five things that you can do with money. You can pay taxes with it. You can spend it. You can save some. You can give some away. But at the end of the day, what we need to look at is, am I managing money the way God's called me to? And I think what we'll find is most of us, again, we're so stuck in the moment that we miss what God's called us to do. And that's what's causing us some of the stress that we're experiencing. And so Jesus goes on in this parable and he says this, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest. Everybody shout invest. To invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now, here's what I think is funny is that Jesus is saying, he takes a word. I'm saying there's five things you can do. And I believe we see that in scripture. There's five things you can do with money. Jesus takes it and he really narrows it down to just one. He says, every penny you spend, every dollar you spend, every time you swipe a credit card, every time you write a check, every time you do a digital transfer, he says, every time you do it, whether it's in a 401k or a Roth IRA, or if you're helping someone down the road or you're paying a bill, every single penny we spend, Jesus uses the word and he calls it investing. Everybody say investing. He says, when you spend part of the money I've given you, you're not just spending it. It's not just gone. You're investing in something. And I want you to hear this. There's three ways to invest. I said, there's five ways to spend. There's really just three ways. Jesus says, I've called you to invest. We invest in today, we invest in tomorrow, and we invest in eternity. Come on, y'all. Every, every, every penny you spend, either you're investing in today and investing in today, you're paying taxes, you're spending it, and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're paying bills and getting out of debt. And you need to do that, and you should do that, and God's okay with you doing that. But I want you to hear this. The reason you need to invest in today is because you're living in today and you need resources for today. But tomorrow's coming. And you need to have some of your money that God's entrusted you to manage on his behalf. You need to have it set aside for when you get to tomorrow, you have what you need for tomorrow. Well, pastor, God's gonna take care of me. The, you're right, he is. And the way he takes care of you is he, sent, he gave you a job, he sends you a paycheck, and he expects all of us to manage it well. I know some of us, it's tighter than it should be. But if you will back down your expenses and if you can increase your income, you can do this. I have met with people throughout my time in ministry as a pastor, as a friend. People just like, pastor, I'm just overwhelmed financially. Will you help me? I have never sat down with anybody and went through a budget. And they all tell me, pastor, I, this, I, don't, I don't make enough money. I can't do it. I've never sat down with anybody 
when you went through their budget that there wasn't money they were spending they didn't need to spend. You don't need seven streaming services. You don't need Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus. Most people are just overspending. It's not that we don't have enough. We're chasing the world. We're trying to live to the standard of commercials. The cologne companies and perfume companies, they don't care if you stink. All they want is your money. You don't look cooler driving in the car. They just want your money. You're not as hip as you think you are by wearing their clothes or their shoes. They just want your money. There are people in every single company on the planet that their primary job is to get you convinced to buy their stuff. They know you don't need it. They know you don't want it. And they know you'll never use it. But they want your money. And so they market to us. And a lot of us are like, Pastor, I just don't have enough money to pay my bills. And we're carrying a stress that God doesn't want us to carry. So he says, I want you to change the way you think. And if I can give our church a gift today, it is all of us needs to have a shift in the way we think. It's not my money to be spent my way. It's his money to be invested his way. And I can invest in today because today's here. So I need to get out of debt. Or I need to, I need to uh, pay my bills. I need to pay my taxes. But tomorrow's coming. Are you invested in tomorrow? If you're not, it's never too late to start. Invest in tomorrow. Tomorrow's coming. You need to save part of what the master's given you. And the most important thing you can do is eternity's coming. Here's what I know for sure. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. Eternity is promised to all of us. And God has called us to invest in eternity. He says it this way. He says, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moth eats them and rust destroys them. Rather, lay up treasure in heaven. But start investing in eternity. Be a giver. It's not all given to you for you. Part of it's given to you so you can be a light to this world. Give to ministry, give to missions, give to the needy, give to people who are in trouble, but be a giver. Part of the money he's given you is to be given away. And when you keep all that he's given you and spend it on yourself, you're the master of your money, not him. And so he's called us all to manage this money well. He says this to end, at least where I'm gonna end in this parable, every voice read this with me. He says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip, come on every voice, and called them to give an account of how they used his money. He's saying, I just want you to know, in all of your future, this is gonna happen. At some point, we all will stand before Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our Judge. And he's gonna look at a ledger. The Bible says in Revelation 20 that the books will be open, the books for which will be judged. And there's gonna, I believe there's gonna be a book for words. How did you use the words God gave you? Did you use them to build people up or cut them down? Did you use them to encourage people or discourage? I believe there's gonna be a financial ledger for all of us. And God's gonna look and say, I gave you in your lifetime, Steve, $3,387,619.12. What did you do with it? Well, I got me some jet skis. <laughs> Nothing wrong with jet skis. He's gonna say, did you spend some on yourself? I hope so, because that's why I gave it to you. Did you get out of debt? I hope so, 
because I expected you to get out of debt because you can only serve one master. Did you invest in today? Did you invest in tomorrow? And did you invest in eternity? Because that's why I gave you part of what you had. So you, God's not gonna judge us on 10%. God's gonna judge 100%, which means every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. When you stand before Jesus, we will give an account of all of it. And so what would happen in this room in Lawrenceburg, in Shoals, what would happen if you looked at all the money you have or all the money you don't have, but you have in an account, paychecks are coming. And you began to look and say, that's not my money to be spent my way. That's God's money to be spent God's way. And I'm, I'm gonna begin to allocate it correctly. I think what you'll find is God will begin to give grace in the gaps. I believe that with all of my heart because I've experienced it. As a, as a family, one of the things that we have tried to do really, really well is we've tried to raise our kids to be finan- to love the Lord. And when we feel like, man, we've done that. Our kids serve the Lord, our kids love the Lord. And we tried to raise our kids to, to be smart with their money. I don't know how much money they're ever gonna have. I don't know if they'll make $10 an hour or $1,000 an hour. But here's what I know is, it doesn't matter your, your level of wealth. God's called us all to the same level of management. And we've taught our kids. My son got his first real job, graduated, uh, graduated high school last year, and he's not here, so I'm gonna tell this. Zach, can I tell this? Normally I ask permission, and I didn't. He don't make a lot of money. But he said, Dad, out of the gate, I'm gonna start. Every single paycheck, every single paycheck. He puts $100 in a Roth IRA. Every single paycheck, he puts $100 in savings. Every single paycheck, he pays his tithe first, and then he lives on the rest. Invest in today, you need to. Invest in tomorrow, you should. Invest in eternity. Be a giver and a tither outside of yourself because eternity is promised to all of us. Heavenly Father, I pray that God, this message today wouldn't put weight on anybody. Nobody in this room, nobody in any of our campuses in Shoals or Lawrenceburg needs to feel more money weight. God, you want us to experience freedom and peace. God, you want us to experience us living life your way. And so I pray every single person in the house, God will begin to fight for their finances. That we'll be diligent enough to sit down and make a budget. That we'll know where our money's going instead of trying to figure out at the end of the month where it went. God, to know one day we'll stand and give an account to you. So Lord, let us manage your money with integrity in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.